This is the Sanctuary LA podcast. We are a real church for real people in the heart of downtown Los Angeles. Much respect for Pastor Sean and Crystal Gale. I know you guys love them. They are amazing. And for what they're doing and the commitment that they made to this ministry, nobody understands what a pastor goes through except perhaps he is a pastor. Because, man, there's things that go on that nobody knows about, that nobody deals with. But the calling of God thrusts us. It's as if God puts his hand in our back. And no matter what we're facing, he keeps pushing us and nudging us and pushing us right into the very center of the thing that he has called us to do. And all of us had a start somewhere. Man, I mean, you know, my life was jacked up. I mean, I was all over the place. But, man, I gave my life to the Lord at 19 years old. I got connected to ministry. I got around pastors. I got around people, man, that really love God, and they weren't playing church. They weren't just coming to church, you know, and then going home and being something else. They were real about it. I encircled myself around people that meant ministry, people that loved God, and people that had real problems. They were real people, living everyday lives every day. But, man, they meant Jesus. And, man, when I got around them, it changed my heart. It changed my focus. I started getting into the word, man. I started getting hungry for the things of the spirit. Man, I would sit sometimes, man, and I hadn't even been filled with the spirit at the time, man, but I would just sit there and just try to make up something. I just wanted it so bad. I'd say, Shondo, e-ba-ba-ba-ba, do I just wanted it so bad, man, that I was like perpetrating. They say, fake it till you make it. I don't encourage that, but man, I wanted it so bad. I wanted to walk in his anointing. I wanted to flow in the power of his spirit, but not just so that my name could be called man because it don't matter if my name is called whatsoever but I want to experience his anointing I want to know what it's like to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover and I've seen it I wanted to know what it's like to lay hands on a dead man and watch him get up and I've seen it I wanted to know what it was like to go through my house and say devil not to me and watch that devil leave the house I want I I just wanted to experience all that the word said and it came with a price and it came with with it came with joy but it also came with the fight We're in a faith fight, but I just want everyone to know that you win. No weapon formed against you will prosper. The Bible decrees that the gates of hell will not prevail against you. And so I'm excited about what his word has decreed and what it has declared concerning me, concerning you, concerning us. You win. You absolutely win. The victory belongs to us. And so I honor the Lord. Let me also just take a quick minute and honor my best girl. I know we look yeah Sheila Thompson she was she was chasing me back in the day she couldn't help herself she you know she just she saw what she saw she put her eyes on it she put her focus on it she she got saved before I got saved I'm not sure if she got saved because she needed to be saved or she got saved because she needed God to hear her prayer because she wanted this man in the name of Jesus I I really don't know We didn't talk about it, but that's just where my mind is going right now. And I'm just kind of thinking that she just, uh, Sheila, I love her. She's my best girl. I know we look like we are 38, but we've been married for 38 years. Amen. And we, and it's been good stuff. We've not, we've not thrown any plates at each other. We've not slept in separate beds. If I slept in another room, it was because I tried to stay up all night and watch TV in there and I fell asleep, but it wasn't because we had a fight. Amen. We do have intense fellowship. We're not perfect. Amen. We, 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 we do have our moments. 
Let me, let, me, let, me, let me move on. Core values. I know that your focus has been built around core values. And as I'm talking, if you would turn to the book of Luke, chapter 10. And I'm going to go as quick as I possibly can from verse 25 to verse uh, 37. Amen. And as you're turning there, core values. Uh, I really appreciate God so much, Pastor Sean, uh, Lady Crystal Gale, for allowing me to be a part of the vision of the ministry of the Sanctuary Church. I was an assistant pastor for about 18 years at a place called Evangelistic Church of God in Christ. It was a very powerful and anointed place. I got saved there. And uh, from there, after 20 years of serving my pastor, the Lord called me to pastor a church. I pastored a church for 15 years. And uh, uh, 13 years in, the Lord started telling me that he wanted me to release the church. And it didn't make any sense to me that he would be telling me to do that because there was nothing wrong. We had no membership issues. We had no money issues. Me and my wife had no marital issues. Those are things that break up churches. Those are the things that make a pastor say, okay, I'm going to leave and start something else. But there was nothing wrong, but the Lord called me uh, to do that. And I struggled with it. I struggled with it for two years. I would fleece the Lord. I would put things before him and say, if you do this, then I'll go. If you don't do this, then I'll, I'll stay. You know, I started, you know, bargaining with the Lord. And then it got to the place where I was having sleepless nights. Literally, I was not able to sleep. And I knew it was because I was not saying yes to what the Lord told me to do. And so finally, I said yes to what the Lord told me to do, even though I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know what the Lord was going to do, but I wanted to say yes to the Lord because when it comes to serving God, there are going to be those times where God is not going to get your permission to do what he's going to do. He's not going to check with you. He's not going to see if it's okay with you, and then you give him three months, and then I'll get back to you, God. That's not the way he goes. When he tells you to do something, it is important to be obedient to what he's calling you to do. And even though you can't wrap your head around it, you have to learn how to wrap your heart around it. Because once you wrap your heart around it and you sit in the center of God's will, he'll take the fear out of you and you'll move forward into the things that he's called you to do. The reason I'm a part of the Sanctuary Church is because in the four months after we released the church, we're moving all around, going from one church to the next. Man, I was so uncomfortable. I'm preaching on Sunday mornings. I have tons of friends that are pastors and have churches, and we were going through that whole thing, but I was so uncomfortable because I was used to being at a place and sitting down. In the 20 years that I served under my pastor's ministry, I did not church hop. I wasn't in one church one Sunday and then another church on another Sunday and then flying to Oakland on another Sunday and doing all all this and I wasn't even trying to preach in everybody's church on a Sunday morning as a pastor I sat my butt down next to the pastor and whatever he needed if he said Johnny jump I said pastor how high because it was important for me to be in the center of what God was calling me to do while I was serving God was framing me and shaping me for the thing that he had called me to do and why I am here I'm beginning to see it more and more and more as I walk through ministry at the sanctuary church. I praise God for Pastor Jay. I praise God for the vision of the ministry. I submit myself to their leadership. I'm here under the leadership of Pastor Sean right now. And I can't do what I want to do. I'm submitting myself up unto their leadership because I've learned that whenever God wants to do something, you have to be subject to the mission that God is calling you to do. And you got to disconnect your flesh. It can't be about you. It can't be about the way I feel, God. Get out of here with all of that. 
You'll never progress in the things that God has called you to do when your feelings are always on front street, when you're always filtering the will of God through your flesh. Your flesh is just along for the ride. When I got saved, man, I smoked cigarettes. I had a pack of cools in my sock. I had a couple of reefers or blunts, whatever you call them now, rolled up in it because I felt like every Sunday after I play my bass, lift my hands, say, God, thank you. I would go to the park. I'd blaze up. I'd drink. I'd do all of this stuff. But one day God put his hand on me and he took the appetite of cigarettes away from me. He took the appetite of alcohol away from me. He removed those things because and then started moving me and ushering me into a place of power. Somebody say power. I haven't even gotten to my notes. But God is moving us into a place of power. He said that he is a God of power. I love what, what Paul said to the church at Corinth. He said, when I came to you, I didn't come with words of men's wisdom because I didn't want your faith to stand in the wisdom of men. But when I came, I came in the power and in the demonstration, in the action of, in the movement of what the hand of God on me. I came in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. I know that's kind of scary to somebody because it's spooky, but it's not spooky. Let me just say it in a way that you're comfortable with. I came in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so God wants to do something powerful through the Holy Spirit. And the focus of Jesus has always been the focus of people. And so my focus this morning is love people. Look at somebody and just smile at them. If, show them your teeth. If, if you forgot your teeth, show them your gums, but just love on them just for a minute. It's, it's, it's good. Sometimes you have no idea what a smile will do for somebody. Man, sometimes we come into the church, and I don't know what you've been through. I don't know, man, what you've had to go through. I don't know what your experience has been. And sometimes people come into the house of the Lord, and you can't tell because they look so good and they smell so nice, but sometimes they come in dragging and staggering because it almost seems like life had beat them down. But I want you to know that you are in the right place today. Get down there where you are and sit right next to you I'll do that too because the word of God is about to go forth Luke chapter 10 and I want to begin reading at verse 25 and behold a certain lawyer stood up and tested him saying teacher what shall I do to inherit eternal life he said what's written in the law what is your reading of it King James says how do you interpret it and so he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all of your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said unto him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he wishing to justify himself to Jesus, he said to the Lord, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Mm. Now by chance, a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. A certain priest saw him and passed by. Likewise also a Levite, who is the assistant, it's like the assistant pastor, he's the deacon, he's the guy that's at the church helping. He's the volunteer. He's the leadership. When he arrived at that place, he came and he looked and passed by on the other side. Both men saw, 
but both men passed by. Verse 33, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and he took him upon his, his animal, and he brought him to the inn and took care of him. On that day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, uh, and that is basically uh, two days wages, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these do you think was the neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And the man answered and said, he who showed mercy on him. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Now we want to talk about loving people for a minute because that's really the heart of the Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, whoever, whoever, whoever believes on him, any person, any people, it doesn't matter who you are, if you believe on him, the Bible says that he would be saved. Uh, relationships, man, they're like elevators. God is about people. Have you ever thought that even perhaps even yourself, I, and I'm just talking about me, I know for me, man, if I didn't have to deal with people, I would really be saved, sanctified, feel, man. I would be so strong in the Lord, man. I'd be standing up here just flexing, man, just spiritual muscles. But man, dealing with people is another thing. You know, sometimes it's, it's cause oftentimes man, the enemy uses the people that are closest to you. Have you discovered that? Have you discovered that? Have you discovered that he uses the people that are closest to you? Have you discovered husband that sometimes the devil uses your wife? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, let me flip that around. Have you discovered sisters that sometimes the devil uses your husband? Have you ever discovered that the devil uses your children? Have you ever noticed that the things oftentimes that are closest to you are the things that give you the most trouble? Have you noticed, amen, that if you didn't have to deal with people, man, you'd be on fire for God. But it's those people in your life that stress you and test you. And as it is even with this man, he is testing the Lord. One of the interesting things that I've discovered, now this man, this man is a, a lawyer. He's not like Johnny Cochran. He is not like F. Lee Bailey. He is the guy that studies the Mosaic law. He is studious. He has studied it. And so when he comes to Jesus, he's not coming to get some information. You know, some folk come to God just to get a, get a hookup. Some of us going to be standing at the gate saying, Peter, where Jesus? Where, where Jesus? Jesus, give your boy a hookup. Get, get, and, 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 and you're going to flash your, your, your badge, sanctuary badge. But man, if you, if you die a duck, you're going to raise up a duck. If you die a cow, you're going to raise up a cow. In other words, whatever you are, when you leave here, that's what you're going to be. And so if you're saved and sanctified, your hope and your, 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 your life is hid in Christ, then he sees you through the blood of Jesus. And when you stand before him, he's going to see himself. But this man comes to Jesus and he, he's coming to tempt him. He's coming to run some kind of game because he's a smart aleck. He knows the word, 
but he wants to test Jesus. Because where did Jesus go to school? He didn't. What Bible college did he graduate from? He doesn't have any Bible degree. He's this man walking around laying hands on sick folk and they're getting healed. He's walking by a funeral processional and touching the casket and saying, hey, young man in there, get up and go back home. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's incredible who Jesus is. But it's interesting that no matter how much word we get, if we're not careful, we think that we're smarter than God. We've got enough God in us to be God without God. And that's the challenge that we think that I know so much that I really don't need God. And we think I don't really need pastor. I don't really need sanctuary. I don't really need you. I've got enough God. I pray, Pastor Johnny. I talk to the Lord every now and then. God knows my heart. Somebody in the word said that my heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? God knows my heart. He knows when I'm up. He knows when I'm down. But this man comes to Jesus. And what I love about God is that God he doesn't have to answer your question because he's God and the one thing about it is that he's this 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 theologian that illustrates by telling you a story and I love God because he when the man comes instead of answering this question with his smart self even though he does know the law even though answering this question Jesus gives him a story and so the Bible says in verse 25 that a certain lawyer came to him saying teacher uh, what can I do to have eternal life? And he said unto him, what's written uh, in the word? What does it say? And he speaks what is declared out of the book of Leviticus. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus said, man, you, you said well. Now just go and do that. You don't have to open up a church. You don't have to get deep and profound and no Greek and Hebrew. He said, just go and do that. Just, just do that, and you'll have life. You don't have to perpetrate. You don't have to fake nothing. You don't have to funk nothing. Just go and do that. He said, you'll be all right if you go and do that. But then he had to go a little bit further because of what he knows. I got to test this dude. And so he says, who is my neighbor? Now, the background on this is that this is a Jewish man that studies the Mosaic Law. Now, the Jews in that day, they had an issue with the Samaritans. They didn't like each other. Mm, that sounds like 2017. There is so much division. It's in the air. Have you sensed it? Have you felt it? That's the reason why the enemy, when he looks at this congregation, he says, oh my God, how can I stop this? How can I block this? We got a white dude sitting next to a sister. We got a Hispanic sitting next to somebody, and I don't know what nationality they are. We got somebody here that loves that. And all of them are lifting their hands, talking about, God, I love you. I worship you. I adore you. I exalt you. All of them are saying, I love Jesus. I praise him. I magnify him. Do you not know that that causes the enemy to be schizophrenic? He's trying to figure out what in the world is going on. Let's keep them divided. Let's keep them separated. Let's keep them on one half, one half of the city and the other half. But I came to tell somebody, man, that this right here is a launching pad. L.A. is about to be changed and turned because there is a body of people that they're not looking at what color you are. They're not looking at where you've been. They're looking at what Jesus is about to do. And they're excited about being a part of what God is about to do in this generation. And he's about to use me. 
why don't you just nudge the person next to you and say, I think I'm the one. I think I'm the one that's about to be used. I think I'm the one that's about to turn hell upside down. I think I'm the one that's about to walk in the anointing. I'm the one that's walking in the favor of God. I'm the one that's got a word in my mouth that's going to change generations. People are going to be saved and healed and delivered and set free and strongholds are going to be broken because I am the one that has a word in my mouth for this generation. Anybody in the room know what I'm talking about? Ah, man, give me just a couple of more minutes. Can I have just a couple of more minutes? And then five minutes after that, if you can, and then maybe five. I'm just messing with you. And so he's, he's a smart guy. And it's interesting that this generation is a smart generation. As divided as we are, we are so smart. Man, we are making things and sending things everywhere. I mean, things are just incredible all over. I mean, we are a generation, man, it's an information generation. You don't even have to go to your store. You don't even have to go get, get a plumber, man. Just go online and find out how to hook that faucet up. I mean, it's an information generation. This man had information, but in the absence of him who gives you inspiration, because you can have this word but you not have the spirit of God. I mean, I'm here to tell you. I've known people, man, that they know the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I remember passing by a drunk man, and he was quoting scripture to me, man. I mean, he was firing off scripture. And I thought to myself as a young babe in the Lord, how is it that he knows so much? And the God that I know is a God that delivers you from habits and hangups and hindrances and breaks yokes and destroys things. And he was a God that took the appetite of cigarettes and alcohol out of my mouth. I mean, I enjoyed getting a buzz. You hear what I'm saying? And for him to come and just remove that, something that I enjoyed, something that I loved, and then replaced it with something else, I thought to myself, how is this man talking about all of this word, but it doesn't change him? Because I have to learn that you have to give yourself to what God is doing. You have to give yourself to the word that he has declared. You got to give yourself to it. If he says that you're healed, you got to say, I know I am in pain. I know I cannot get up. But if you say I'm healed, then I give myself to walking in agreement with what you have decreed and what you have declared. Because if you said it, regardless of what I feel and what I see, if you said it, then it must be so. But it will never happen if I don't give myself to it. Have you not read in the word where Jesus would just not pass people and pull them up and move them around he would say get up off that bed in other words your deliverance is contingent upon you obeying my word and busting a move you can lay there if you want to but I said get up and when you start moving and wiggling your toes and wiggling your fate feet you tell the devil that even though I've been in the position for all these years he said get up and I am going to get up because he said it will somebody put a praise on that right there because he said it I'm gonna do it it's an information highway let me get out of the way because I'm talking about loving people and it's interesting that we've got more Bible than we've ever had more translations than we've ever had more Bible schools than we've ever had 
I mean, man, you can go online, that information highway, and man, you don't even have to study anymore. If you want to preach, just pull a message. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, everything is at your disposal. We're such surrounded by all these things, man. We can go online and study Greek and Hebrew. And even though we have an all-access pass to all of this information, we're still strangers to things like unction, power, anointing, deliverance, compassion, breakthrough, forgiveness, healing. And that's this man. He knows all of this word, but he stands there and says, who is my neighbor? Because for many of us, our neighbor comes from our neighborhood. Our neighbor looks like I look. My neighbor is my friend because we have kinship through skinship. You look like me, and so therefore you are my neighbor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this right here is changing that. Look at what God is doing. It's changing that. O.C., Costa Mesa, it's changing that. The Jew is sitting next to the Gentile. The black is sitting next to the white. The Hispanic is sitting next to the Asian. We're in the same house serving the same God, and we're not asking who is my neighbor because we understand that this word is not just touching us. This word is changing us. And I know some folk, man, that they, they despise the other people. They, they called them, but I came to tell somebody that God is in the neighborhood and you are the neighbor that he's touching. I love when I see God touch people. I love when I see God do things for people. Pastor Johnny, God gave me a breakthrough. My husband got saved. Pastor Johnny, God released my finances. My God, I'm out of debt. Pastor Johnny, God gave me a job. I get excited for people that are getting excited because I know that when God is touching my neighbor, that means that God is in the neighborhood. And when he's in the neighborhood, he has no respect of persons. So what he does for you, that means he's getting ready to do it for me. And what he does for you on this side of the room, that means he's getting ready to do it for somebody on this side of the room. Because he's in the neighborhood. And not just in the neighborhood, but in the blessing business. Somebody give God a praise if he's in the neighborhood. But we're strangers to things like unction and anointing and power. And so this man says to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And so many people, they mind the things of themselves. Have you noticed, man, that this is a generation that we're just so stuck on ourselves? And I know I'm not talking to anybody in here. Maybe I'm just talking to some other folk that I know. We are drunk on ourselves that's this dude in the bible that's this dude he knows the word but he has to justify himself let me tell you why i don't like him let me tell you why i don't fellowship there let me tell you why i perceive the thing to be what it is in other words he's saying jesus who is my neighbor because he has an issue with a man or with a nationality, with a people, and he's wondering, are they really my neighbor? How much time I got, Pastor Sean? Keep it real. Amen. Because I want to be, be mindful and sensitive to your time. And I'm sitting up under 
these interrogation lights and hopefully you're a little bit more comfortable than I am. And so the man says, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus takes the question out of midair and he drops it on the curb between Jerusalem and Jericho and he starts talking about a man that's half dead. And the man is half dead because on his way, somebody beat him. Somebody robbed him. Somebody stripped him. Somebody left him for dead. And this is a man that's on a roadside or on the curbside between Jericho and Jerusalem that he's half dead. And this man is the same man that we see in our life. I don't know about you, but I know what it's like to have a father that dropped me. I know what it's like to have people that offended me. I know what it's like to have people to kick me to the curb. I know what it's like to hurt. I know what it's like to be broken because somebody else broke me. I know what it's like to be disappointed. I know what it's like to have been robbed of my childhood. I know what it's like to have been beaten by words, to be beaten by situations, to have been devalued. I know what that's like. And so this man is half dead because somebody robbed him, because somebody took something from him, because somebody took and devalued him, had no regard for him. But I want you to know, and I sense this even now, that there's somebody sitting up here. You may not be on the curbside from Jerusalem to Jericho, but you know what it's like to have been left for dead. You know what it's like. And somebody here, you're struggling right now. Man, you're going through some things right now. And Pastor Johnny, nobody knows, man, I try to smile through it. Nobody knows, man, that I'm broken, that I'm hurting, that I am so wounded. Nobody knows, man, what goes on behind my, my house, behind closed doors. Nobody knows that it took everything in me to drive down Santa Fe just to get here because I knew, man, if I get here, there would be a word of encouragement from my heart, from my life there's somebody on the curbside bleeding and you can't tell because you're like the patient that when all the visitors come into the hospital room you're covered but they don't know that un underneath your sheet you are hemorrhaging you are bleeding but I came to tell somebody that you are around and surrounded by neighbors that are getting ready to lay hands on you and to minister to the place that you are wounded because that is the ministry of Jesus because this church loves people. We are here to help you get through it. We are help here to put the, put the wound to, to, to rest the wound to, to, to put the, the, the medication on the wound. We are here to lay hands on you if you are sick. We are here to speak encouragement to you if you are discouraged. If you got a devil that's driving your life, we are here to tell the devil not to her, not to him. You don't. We will stand as your neighbor as the lover of who Jesus Christ is and all that that consists of and stand with you toe to toe and get you from one place to the next place and by his stripes you are healed and we carry the kind of anointing that devils can't stop and cannot block we love you and we're here to bring ministry to your life you are about to be changed your life is about to be turned around because 
because there are people in this room that walk in power, that walk in authority, that walk in the word of God. We're not smart just to quote a scripture, but Christ in us, the hope of glory, the power and the anointing of God. And God is about to give breakthrough if you give yourself to it. Somebody say, God, do it. Oh, man, let me get out of the way. I can't even get past my first page. Let me just deal with this and let's get out of here. And so two men that were church people passed by. A priest and a Levite. Isn't it interesting, amen, that they both saw him, but they walked the other way. Now, I don't know why they walked the other way. I've always been taught where the Bible is silent, you need to learn how to be silent. But can I just interject something? That maybe they were busy. Maybe they had places to go. Maybe he had to preach. Maybe he had to hurry up and get home because he had a candlelight dinner waiting for him. And his wife said, one more time, you late. One more time, I have to throw stuff in Tupperware. One more time, this will be your last candlelit dinner. I know what it's like, amen, to leave work. And my wife said, I got a nice dinner. We're setting it up. I'm turning the lights down low. Baby, come close. Put your trust. Oh, I'm sorry, that's Smokey Robinson. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Come on back, Pastor Jay. I know what that's like in the get a call and I have to rush to the hospital and and lay hands on somebody and that by the time that I get to the house, the candles have been blown out. The dinner is in Tupperware and in the refrigerator and I have to apologize again because I felt the call of God to be someplace. And I don't mean to hurt you and discourage you, but there's a call of God on my life and sometimes that moves you into a certain place in a certain position. And so this is what's happening. The priest and the Levite pass him by. Here comes somebody who has compassion on him. Let me break three things down for you as I see in the scripture. And then I'm going to get out of your way. Look at verse 31. Now by chance a certain priest came down the road. And when he saw him, when he saw him, he went on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at that place, he looked at him and he passed by on the other side. And a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Somebody say compassion. Because that's what ministry is. Ministry is saying that, man, I feel for you. Ministry is saying, I want to help you. Ministry is saying that God is a healer and God can heal you and God can touch you and that God can use me to do what I can do. He did not discard the guy. He had compassion on him. And then when he went to him, the Bible says that he bandaged up his wounds. He poured oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal. Now, if he put the man on his animal, that means that he had to walk it out. That meant that he got uncomfortable. That meant that sometimes helping other people will make you uncomfortable. And you've got to be okay sometimes with being uncomfortable if it's for the greater good, if it is because of the greater thing that God is doing in your life. And so not only did he have compassion, but the Bible says he carried him. He put him on his own, on his own beast. Somebody say compassion. 
Somebody say carry. And he put oil and wine on him and then he brought him to the end and took care of him. And so we see compassion. We see that he carried him and we see that he cared for him because that's what we do. We love people. We have compassion on people. We carry people. We, 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 we uh, make sure that we um, care for people. And on the next day when he departed, he took uh, two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper. And he said to the innkeeper, he said, take care of him and whatever more that you will spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Now somebody say compassion. Say it with authority, compassion. Somebody say carry. Somebody say care. And then he took the, the money out of his pocket and said that I got him covered. I'm going to cover him. And so it's not only that you care for somebody, but man, you cover somebody. Pastor Sean, can you stand up for me just a second? I'm going to close right here. Stand right next to me and stand toward Jennifer over there. And I'm going to stand this way. He covered him. Now, covering him does not just mean I'm going to take my money out and take care of him for two days, but he says that if it requires more, if it requires more, I'm going to cover him. Now, and I thought about this because it didn't just mean that, listen, let's just take care of what needs to happen so that this man could stay comfortable for a couple of days. But whatever he needs to get from the position that he's in, because he is wounded, because he is being managed, we're taking care of him, we're, we're trying to get him on the right page, on the right life, trying to get his life back together. And so in doing that, sometimes we have to cover people. In doing that sometimes we have to extend ourselves toward people for the better good of others. We have to sometimes take this word that we know and this word that we live by and make this word flesh. In other words, it needs to dwell among us. In other words, it needs to become action. And so it doesn't just mean just take care of him for the next couple of days, but it means to help him to be established so that he can get on his feet and get back to life at a different level to be able to move forward and so I got him covered until that happens and so it's about me making sure that I cover the man until he gets to where he's going until he gets positioned and so I'm looking at this cowboy movie my wife loves cowboy movies she watches them every Saturday. She tells me, I think she's convinced, I just think she doesn't know. She says, I never watch a movie more than once. She has watched the same Clint Eastwood, John Wayne, Yul Brenner over and over and over again as if she's watching it for the first time. I happened to walk through one time and this dude, it was, it was, it was, it was two dudes. I think it was Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. They were behind a rock and they were being shot at by the enemy. And so the one said, I need you to cover me. He says, what, 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 what are you doing? He says, I need to reposition myself so that I can hit the enemy so that you and I both can be spared. 
because it's not just about me getting in a position to be faithful, to be strong, to be blessed, to be uh, uh, filled with what God has done, but it's about me making sure that my neighbor is able to be blessed, to have favor, to have strength, uh, to get out of the clutches of the enemy that's trying to stop him and block him. He's my neighbor. And so the dude says, is, listen, I need you to cover me. What you getting ready to do? I'm getting ready to go over there. Well, well how are you going to do that? You're going to cover me. You're going to shoot at the enemy to distract them from seeing my movement. And so while he's hitting the enemy and he's just shooting he's not aiming at nothing but he's just shooting your prayers are aiming at something you are not just hitting the wind boxing the wind but when you say god bless pastor sean god bless crystal gale god touched the ministry of sanctuary god touched pastor jay god touched lady christy god strengthened them god encouraged them god undergird them god bind the devil god rebuke the hand of the enemy devil i arrest you in the name of jesus you are covering them allowing them to get in a position where they're able to get strong where they're able to get strength, where they're able to recover and revive and be renewed and be refreshed in the presence of God. We are covering you. We love you. You are my neighbor. You can knock on my door and get some sugar because you're my neighbor. Will you put your hands together and give God praise? One man made an amazing difference. Because all it takes is one. One will put a thousand to flight. Two will put 10,000. God's math is crazy. God says that all it takes is just one. The reason why that man became that man's neighbor and ministered to him because he first saw himself as a neighbor and saw that man as his neighbor. I promise you, give me one minute. You can look at your watch if you want to. There's a 10 year old in my life. Her name is Chloe. Chloe was driving with her mom to school and she would pass by this homeless community, this homeless park. Chloe would look out the window and see all of these homeless people that are in the, in the park. She asked her mom, she says, mom, why are they out there? Her mom said, you know, some situations came up, some things happened in life. They're homeless. They don't have money. They don't have anywhere to go. Chloe says to her, what can we do? Because it's not about seeing, it's about doing something about it. It's not about being religious. It's not because religion walked by that man. It was religion that said, listen, he's on his own. But it was a man that had compassion and that cared. And he said, listen, what can I do to help you? Because that's what ministry is. It's about what can I do to help you? What can I do? 
She said, listen, you sew bags with your grandma. Why don't you guys just make bags, make 20 bags. We'll ask people to fill them up with socks and toothpaste and toothbrushes. 20 bags started out as 20 bags. It's almost been a thousand bags that they've made themselves and have passed out. Chloe has flown all over the world. She's been on TV. And the thing that's amazing to me is that she has no clue the impact that she is making to a homeless world. All it takes is one. I'm not, I'm not sharing that to pump her up. I shared that to say this. I was with her one day, passing out bags. When I get in my car, it hit me. Out of all the years that I've been in church, Pastor Sean, out of all the years that I've been in leadership ministry, out of all the years that I've been a pastor, I went to this homeless community with her passing out bags. I get in my car, and all of a sudden, it's as if God is performing surgery on my heart. I start weeping like a baby. Deacon Ray, I pulled over because I couldn't see. Because God was performing surgery on my heart. All this time, I have been looking with my eyes. The eight-year-old at the time taught me how to look with my heart. Because if we help people, it's not going to be you summing them up. You're asking me for money, man, but you got on some Jordans. She let me see what it meant to not ask people questions, not to size them up. She taught me what it meant to have a neighbor that has no ability to give you anything back. Because it's not important what they give you. It's important what you give them. Thank you for listening to the Sanctuary LA podcast. Tune in again next week and stay awesome and be blessed.